0: You are listening to the Heel Turn Collective Radio Network. You cannot counter-program the love, the genuine feeling, the damn revolution that is all elite wrestling. This is one with the undercard, all elite edition. That time of the week again, episode number eight here on One with the Undercard. Jay, can you believe that we made it to episode number eight already?
1: You know what? I can believe it because I've been here for the whole thing.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you for that astute analysis. Yes, you have. But
1: this is... I'm just here to give you the best in analysis every week, week after week, week in and week out, on what happened this week in all Elite
0: wrestling. Yes, thank you for that plug there. But this is one with the undercard where Mia Jay break down every single episode of AEW Dynamite. And we might even have a couple of special episodes for the pay-per-views and For the we, fans. Yeah, absolutely. So look, we love we love all elite wrestling. We're all elite wrestling marks. And this is just another episode this week. And I mean look, it was another it was another special kind of show. Fight for the fallen this week. They had a lot of charitable Things going on, which is cool. It's always nice to see that. And with that, I mean, we're going to start the show like we do every single week with the ratings, because that seems to be the way you should always go and things like this. And AEW bounces back nicely. Uh, they come in at 788,000. Uh, NXT draws 631,000. The big one, though, AEW finishes fifth on the night in the 18-49 to 49 demo. NXT finishes 49th and that same demo, Jay, when you hear something like that, what is your initial reaction?
1: My initial reaction is that someone would rather watch like CSI Johnstown than watch uh, NXT. Yeah. That's I mean, that, that's rough. Like I mean, somebody my age is more inclined to watch a show that few people care about. Like there are 49 other shows that they chose to watch. I couldn't name you 49 other shows.
0: Yeah. I mean, t- in all fairness, it's probably a lot of news shit. That's why you haven't really seen, you know, TV ratings have got to be on the toilet. If you think about it, because a lot of, there's going to be a lot of people watching the news and things like that, you know, with updates and everything. And, but I think AEW presented a good show this week. I think, it, like I said, it was Fight for the Fallen. It, uh, it had a lot of cool matches on it. You know, some stuff was a little, me and Jay were talking a little off air, and I wasn't the biggest fan of how the show ended. He kind of liked it. I mean, obviously, we're going to get to that. Um, but, I mean, I can't complain about the quality of the show overall. What says you, Jay? Are you excited about the show uh, as a whole after finishing watching it?
1: Fight for the Fallen was for me was better than both weeks of Fighter Fest, wow. I'll say it.
0: That's that's big that's big stuff right there because I feel like I feel like AEW's been putting the work in the last couple of weeks and they they are truly the innovators of the way that they shoot wrestling with no fans. I mean, I think the shots are nice and tight and things and actually if you haven't yet, go check out um on the AEW YouTube page. Eric Bischoff and Tony Khan and Conrad Thompson actually talk a lot about uh, the production and things like that. It's a pretty interesting hour and a half kind of thing. Um, I really was engrossed in it. But I look, I'm just a mark for wrestling, so I watch all that kind of shit. But I mean, I I'm a fan of I'm a fan of where things are going. Um, so I uh, yeah. So I mean, to start off the show,
1: I'll we- say this about the production this week: there were a couple. AEW has done a great job. They have been innovators in making it feel like a much better, much um, more traditional kind of wrestling show. However, there are a couple of this week, and uh, I will I will point them out as we go through the show. But one of the, I, there were two specifics, so I'll give you one now, and I'll give you one when it's time. Um, they tried a This Is Awesome chant, and, and like two people taunt. And Ugh. it just wasn't doing it for me. Fell
0: flat. It, fell flat. It on fell the right
1: face. on its face. I don't remember what match it was, but it was like you're trying too hard.
0: <laughs> Come on, man. Like I, I kind of like the vibe they got going on. Though it sounds like there's a lot of people there, even though you, you they just have the people around ringside. But it seems like the they're trying to make it seem like there's a lot of people there, which is cool uh, because me and you both know i have been lifelong wrestling fans, and so. Seeing wrestling in this environment is very, very different. So they're all kind of learning on the same curve. So seeing AEW kind of being the innovator of how to shoot things, and and you're right. When you try to do it, this is an awesome chant with nobody there. Uh, it comes off, it falls kind of flat. But I mean, what are you gonna do at the end of the day? I mean, you just got to take it. You got to take the punches as they come in. So, um, no pun intended. But uh, tonight, I mean, the thing, the thing about the big thing right off the start right off the top of the show is Tony Schiavone is waiting his COVID-19 testing. So he is not there tonight, which he's always, he was always kind of, he's always my, he's the voice of AEW to me because Tony Schiavone was the voice of my childhood. I was always a WCW guy more than a WWE guy. So uh, Tony I grew Sh- up a WWF
1: guy. So yeah. Jim Ross, it, yeah. like the sound of Jim Ross would like, I would listen to Jim Ross to like put myself to sleep.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, Jim Ross is a legendary commentator, but Tony Schiavone to me, it's the biggest night in the history of our sport. Uh, it's that's something that has never really um, got lost on me. I, I love every single second of it. So I, so we hope here at one with the undercard, we hope that Tony Schiavone is fine. Um, and we hope that he actually doesn't have the virus, but if he does, we wish him a speedy recovery. Yes. But,
1: Tony Schiavone, I know you're listening. Uh, Speedy recovery, if yes. Um, praise God, if no.
0: Yes. Um, and Taz is joining Jim Ross and Excalibur on commentary, which I thought was kind of weird. Because obviously he's involved in the main event storyline. I thought Ryan. it was.
1: A, I thought it was a win because he switches out with Jericho halfway through the show. Yes,
0: and Jericho, uh, Jericho is always welcome at the commentary booth. But um, I mean, the opening match of the night: Sonny Kiss getting a shot at the TNT title uh, against Cody, who's obviously come down to the ring with Arn Anderson. Nice back and forth match here. Um, Sonny Kiss really. I mean, look, he really. He really showed some stuff here. I mean, he kind of went he went toe to toe with Cody for a while. So, um overall though, I'm at the end of the day, I think Cody winning is is the right is the right move, but I think that they got a lot of time. They got 10 minutes. Um Sunny Kiss got a lot of offense in and he took a he took a beating from Cody the whole match. So, I mean, what were your thoughts on the match overall, Jay? 10 minutes? It, it felt w- like 15. It went 10 minutes oh, and 45 seconds. It felt yes.
1: like it felt like 15. Hmm. um I think overall it was a good match. I think it went too long.
0: Oh, you think it went a little too long? Okay. Yeah,
1: I, I think that match could have benefited for being an eight minute
0: match. Yeah. I uh I actually showed you and something. Pace, what what was it?
1: Really slow, um, which is not common for AEW. So I appreciated that. Maybe that's what made it feel long. Yeah um but was, Cody has Cody has slow paced matches.
0: Yeah. I mean that's that's a thing. Like um it was more a WWE kind of style match um but mm-hmm. at the end of the day you know kiss hits a 450 looked beautiful um and just it just went toe to toe with him cody was getting you know, like just frustrated throughout the whole match couldn't put yeah. couldn't put him away and then finally he does after a crossroads and he retained the title. At, at no point did I think that Sonny Kiss would win the title here. But I did actually no. show you something earlier in the week um, on Twitter. Some guy was being a little a little racy about his comments with Sonny Kiss. If you have a problem with somebody like Sonny Kiss, then I don't want to associate you with you at all. Uh, because this no. guy's just out here just being himself. Look, don't... Sonny am- Kiss is wholesome. Yeah. I mean, look. He's just, a, you know what? He's just comfortable in doing what he's doing, and no point should anybody ever tell him that, that that's wrong or anything like that. Uh, this ass wipe on Also, Twitter, if you,
1: you want to like, if you want to say that to Sunny Kiss's face, he'll probably beat your actual ass.
0: Yes, you're right. And so, um, so me and you kind of dialogued a little bit about what if the title would switch just because of something like that. Um, I didn't think it was going to happen because of. I don't think that they kind of book based on things like that. No. So, um, But here, I mean, even if Sonny Kiss did win, I don't think it would be – I don't think it was like – I don't think it would be a terrible thing. But, I, th- mm-hmm. I, again, I just think that they're building up Cody and he's going to lose the title. He's going to lose the title in a big-time match probably at all, yeah. uh, I would imagine, uh, against probably a higher-profile opponent. Not that I don't think Sonny Kiss is, is ever going to be there because that's not – that's not the case at all. I think that eventually, you know, but he just has to, uh, he just has to get up to that point. So
1: one of the things I have appreciated about Cody's TNT championship matches is his ability to put people over. He's not burying talent. He's, he's making them like sunny Kid Very believable yesterday.
0: Yeah. And Um, that's the thing. Like, it's it was just a believable, hard hitting, fast paced back and forth match. You know, uh, yeah. It had all the uh, it had all the typical spots that you're looking for. You know, Cody hit the big superplex. Couldn't couldn't get the three count. You know, just physically frustrated. And so, I think that I think I I may not be the biggest Cody guy, and I and I've kind of went on record as saying that, but. I think he's one of the better wrestlers in the world right now, uh, just based on his match quality and based on his facials and the way he sells. I just think he's got the package, man. And I think that if you're going to build a company with a wrestler that that's more than a wrestler, Cody's probably your guy. Seems like he's got mm-hmm. a mind for the business. Obviously, it runs in his DNA. So I think Cody retaining the title here isn't really surprising, but I also think yeah. that... Uh, you know, Sunny Kiss winning also wouldn't have been a terrible thing. So um, it's always kind of nice to have matches where uh, you can have a little bit of both worlds, where, you yeah. know, it could go either way and you're, and you're all right with it. So um, Jim Ross, Excalibur, and Taz talk a, a little bit more about the charity thing they were doing. Uh, AEW fight for the fallen.com. I know they had a shirt on pro wrestling tees uh, when you bought it, all the proceeds went to that. So make sure if it's still up, make sure you're doing that. Um, we can all kind of chip in on this COVID thing and don't get me started on wearing a mask, but, um, and I think that, uh, even Jim Ross said that he hopes everyone's wearing a mask, like, and, uh, how that's, I'm not going to go on a political rant, but please just start wearing the mask. (laughs) Um, in the next match, he had FTR against the Lucha brothers. And I remember you explicitly saying, the last couple of weeks, FTR cannot suffer a loss up until their showdown with the young bucks, which we assume will be it all out. <sighs> and if there were, if they were ever going to lose a match, I think this is probably the closest they were ever going to get to it. Cause I think mm-hmm. that the Lucha brothers are, the Lucha brothers are one of my favorite tag teams. I think FTR is my favorite tag team in AEW, but I think the Lucha brothers are, are a close second right behind them. Because I think the Lucha brothers yeah. really have everything. Um, There's those, those classic cruiserweights and they tag together and they do the high flying stuff. Um, I'm not a huge fan of how they ignore the rules. And I know they're it's Lucha Libre tag team rules and things like that. But um, are you, are you excited that they did not go over FTR in this match?
1: Yes. And let me, like, please hear me when I say big Lucha bros guy, Big Lucha Bros guy. I don't think that it is. I I think if FTR is going to have a loss, um, if they if they have to have a loss, um, then having that happen in an eight man tag match where they don't, where neither of them takes the fall, is important.
0: Yeah, I mean, Um,
1: so this was a good bounce back match. I I figured this would be the result. I was pleased with the results. Also. FTR, you lied to me when you said no flips, because I watched, uh, I believe it was X Harwood hits a tope that he turns into a DDT like three quarters of the way through the match. It was very innovative. I liked it, but I felt lied to.
0: (laughs) I felt like I felt like I had been objectified at that point uh, that they had been saying all fists, no flips. Um, uh, th- obviously the big spot in the match is, uh, at the end, Harward tears off Phoenix's mask. Um, obviously and this a- is
1: the other production error
0: Y'all, this uh, is because the other one as, here. as
1: Phoenix is getting out of the ring, you actually see his face oh. and the camera quickly cuts away. Like you saw his whole face and the camera just like quickly cut away, that guy probably doesn't have a job
0: anymore. I would assume because uh, anyone that knows, you know, in Lucha Libre culture, the mask is everything. You never wrestle without your mask. That's a big part of who you are. And I know that uh, the Lucha brothers are from that. Obviously it's in their name. Uh, But so hardwood tearing the mask off here is a big deal. I don't know if it's going to play kind of into something where, You know they have like a mask match or something. I I doubt it, but this is probably just something to build a little Mm -hmm. bit of heat and things like that. Um, Which is
1: interesting because FTR aren't necessarily heels. Yeah, like it's weird because are familiar with their work um, before their time in AEW. Like yeah, they're, they're like they're classic heel guys. Like that's like that's just part of their character, and it makes one it makes total sense. That Ray Fenix can't get, he, he can't kick out. He just has to lay down and get penned so he can't reveal his face. Yeah. Um, he, like, he never leaves it, like, strapped to his head. Yeah. It's always kind of loosely sitting there.
0: That was an interesting ending to the match, but I, I kind of liked it, though. It was it was different. It wasn't something we see every week, you know, tearing off the Nine match. Nine times the- out
1: of ten, I get super pissed off if somebody's... Uh, mask gets ripped off in a match. This was the one exception.
0: Yeah, this is the one. Uh, we're big FTR guys here at one with the undercard. So uh, they can just keep winning. And I would be very excited about that. But uh, after the match, the butcher and the blade kind of talked to FTR a little bit. Uh, the young bucks snuck up behind the butcher and the blade and took him out with some super kicks. Uh, Matt grabbed the keys of the truck that FTR had driven in. And, you know, he brought it to the ring and presented it to him. So it's kind of interesting the build that they're doing here because it seems like the Bucks and FTR are both kind of face teams, but it seems mm-hmm. like one of them has to be a heel. Like one of, because in our experience, face versus face matches never really work well. So mm-hmm. I, one of them has to kind of get a little bit of an edge. So I don't know if it's like if the young bucks turn on FTR one of these weeks, or if the FTR turns on the young bucks, one of these weeks, But one of them has to be kind of the heel team. One of them has to be kind of the bad team going in. We assume they
1: picked up a little heat when Kenny Omega comes out with the peace offering. He comes out with some beers. Yes, and uh, they uh, they clink uh, they they touch cups there Mm -hmm. and then dump the dump the beer over Kenny Omega's head. Um, I think that appropriate amount of heat but also think the segment went a little too long and just felt kind of stale.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't disagree uh, with you on that. Um, Is it leading to, you know, honestly, like we've talked for weeks now about how obviously they're building up to FTR and the young bucks, uh, probably at all out, but maybe this is them building to FTR against Omega and page for the AEW tag team titles. Like, maybe they're just going to put the titles on them to make the FTR Young Bucks collision mean that much more because it's for the titles.
1: Wow. That could be fun.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, to me, I mean a a feud like that, I don't think you necessarily need the titles on them on any team, but Mm -hmm. I think that it wouldn't hurt. Like it'd be a nice, like uh, it'd be a nice, like way to kind of add something else to the match, you know, who's really the king Mm -hmm. of the tag teams. Uh, for real. So, uh, the inner circle comes out. Chris Jericho, Santana, Ortiz, and Jake Hager. Obviously, uh, noticeably absent is Sammy Guevara, who's been suspended for some pretty heinous comments towards Sasha Banks. And uh, um, But Jericho grabs the mic and he starts talking about his match with Orange Cassidy and how it was one of the best AEW matches they've had. He also said that they won the ratings battle, as they do every week. Obviously, uh, with people talking the way that they do on Twitter, Jericho has pretty been pretty outspoken about uh, the 18-49 to 49 demographic and how that's the most important one of all of them how do you feel about Jericho bringing up the ratings into uh, storyline for storyline purposes? How do you feel about him boasting about it on the show?
1: I kind of like it. And it like, it's another, it's another way for Jericho to continue to get over on the mic without being in the ring every week. Um, to, um, we had, uh, a couple months ago, we had the lexicon of la Le champion. Uh-huh. Um, now we get the demo, uh, the demo God. Yes. Uh, I, I just something memorable, something that sticks with you. Um, something that you'll see on a sign when we're allowed to have fans again. Yeah. And it uh, was really good.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, I was never the biggest Jericho fan growing up. I always kind of hated him. I was like, "Oh, this guy's a, this guy's a jerk or whatever. I, I'm not a big fan ever since his transition into all elite wrestling. I think that all of a sudden in my eyes and, and a lot of people's eyes already, but in my eyes, he's one of the greatest to ever do it. Because if yeah. you think constantly, even at 49 years old, the type of matches that he's having, and the way that he's been able to adjust his character—just you know, a little bit here, a little bit there, big move here, you know, big move there—the way he's been able to adjust I mean, his character, not a lot of people have been able to do that. And we actually had this conversation uh, a little bit off-air about how I—I I heard I read something where people were comparing Jericho to Cena and Hogan and, you know, the big time names in the ring, Mm -hmm. in the ring, he's better than all those guys. I think he's better than Hogan. I think he's better than Cena. I I think he's better than a lot of the other guys that people claim to be the the greatest ever. If Mm -hmm. we're talking about strictly box office, Jericho kind of falls, you know, a little behind that. Um, obviously like, I think if AEW existed in the eighties and Hogan was there, obviously the, the ratings would be a little bit different, but this is just a different time to be living in. So um, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of the way that Jericho has been kind of getting over um, everything that he's been doing. Uh, He talks about, uh, he has a bottle of orange juice in his hand. They're just going to, they're just going to rail that into the ground, by the way. Um, Mm -hmm. And then Cassidy, he said that Cassidy wants a rematch and he just says that, if he wanted a rematch and he said, we're, we're not going to do that. Uh, you did good, but you didn't do good enough. The the wrestlers at ringside started kind of taunting Jericho back and forth and saying he's scared and things like that. Um, so do you think that there will be another Jericho-Orange Cassidy showdown?
1: I don't know because we have Orange Cassidy come out uh, and if then uh, Juice's the inner circle is the, is the word they're choosing. That's the word they're choosing to use is the juicing. Um, They they drop uh, just a bunch of orange juice on the inner circle. Uh, Ortiz catches like none. If you watch the replay, Ortiz gets like minimal orange juice splashed on him and then proceeds to like Shawn Michaels versus Hulk Hogan, oversell, uh, like slip sliding in the, in the ring, like, finally manages to get up. It just immediately takes a bump. Yeah. Um, and yeah. just like bathes himself in orange juice.
0: He did the uh, Vince McMahon kind of swimming whenever Austin was hitting everybody with the beer in the yeah. ring, you know? So um, I think that uh, this is a cool way to kind of, I think that you can have orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho kind of interact without them having another match. Uh, I think that the, this is a cool way to kind of uh, keep the two together a little bit. Um, obviously, obviously they have big plans. It seems like AEW has big plans for Orange Cassidy coming up. Uh, obviously yeah. they're putting him with Chris Jericho and they're putting him in a lot of high profile, you know, matches. So it's interesting. That was the
1: highest watch segment this week.
0: Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So it's like Orange Cassidy's really, uh, he's really kind of getting over it. and I know people like Jim Cornette and stuff like he hates him, but, uh, he's kind of grown how on me a little bit. Yeah. Uh, he's kind of grown on me a little bit. Um, so, I mean, here it is. It, it this is, this is what it's going to be. I'm excited to kind of see how, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see how, um, if they kind of play this up a little bit more with the ratings and they kind of played into the storyline, it'll be interesting to see if they keep doing that. So uh, Jer- Jericho then joins the broadcast team and he complains that a $7,000 jacket was ruined. Uh, they show replays of it. So, uh, I think that I, I think these two wrestle again at all out. If, if I have a gut feeling, I think that Jericho and Orange Cassidy meet again at all out. So, I mean, I don't know. And will Orange Cassidy go over that time? Only time will tell, you know, so um, fun yeah absolutely again we talked
1: about it last week it doesn't hurt jericho to take a loss to literally anyone at this absolutely
0: point. he could lose the literally a broom and i think he'd be okay so yeah um but then we get the entrances for the six-man tag team matches the hour the second hour starts uh the elite kenny omega matt jackson and nick jackson take on jurassic express luchasaurus jungle boy and marco stunt um there was I mean, they showed Hangman Page was hanging out backstage, pouring a drink while the music was playing and things like that. Obviously, they're kind of building more and more tension between the two because he didn't come out with them and things. Mm-hmm. Um, Jericho said that Luchasaurus stated that he was 65 million years old. Uh, that's something that always kind of gives me a pop, you know, when I'm sitting on the couch there. Um and Jericho said he doesn't believe him and he wants to see his birth certificate. Jericho's fantastic on commentary, by the way. If nothing else, just listen to him just ramble on about, you know, nothing. Like, he, his comedic timing is very good uh, for somebody, you know, for somebody on commentary. His, his comedic timing is very good. What did you think of the six-man tag match overall?
1: Uh, before I talk about that, I want to talk about Jericho on comedy. Uh, comedy. Yeah. I want to talk about Jericho uh-huh. on comedy slash commentary. You know who he reminds me of? Bobby Heenan.
0: Yeah. In, yeah. in
1: the commentary booth. I got you. Where he's, yeah. just, he's somebody who's still performing, but is, or like King. Um, yeah. Like King just got, like he got behind the commentary booth and just made an ass of himself. Yeah. And but- was so over. And Jericho's been able to do that same thing and it's just been, it's been really fun. And it's been a really fun
0: throwback. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, uh, I, I actually been watching a lot of retro WCW pay-per-views for uh, a website that I write for. And I just watched hog wild 96 and that was the famous pay-per-view where Heenan was drunk on commentary. And you can openly <laughs> tell that this dude has had one too many cocktails, but, uh, Bobby Heenan was always underrated for me, man. Always great, great on commentary. I just loved everything that he did. Uh, but yeah, you're, listen to Bobby Heenan on commentary and tell me that's not Chris Jericho. You're 20. spot on. You're spot on. Jericho is very Heenan, very Lawler like uh, the way that he kind of you know adds a little bit of flavor, adds a little bit of comedy. He's very over the top, which I think is a it's a nice touch. I think it's something that uh, can't go overstated, especially with somebody like a like a booth. I've been openly critical of Jim Ross. Uh, I shouldn't be. I think Jim Ross is the greatest wrestling commentator ever that ever lived. Uh, just I don't think that AEW Jim Ross is something that I want any part of. Uh, so adding Jericho here at really adds some flavor to the commentary team because Excalibur's okay, but again, he makes. Uh, I think that uh, if you're watching the other show, I think Tom Phillips makes Excalibur look like Gorilla Monsoon. So, And I'll say that till I'm dead, man. But anyway, back to the matchup. What did you think of the six-man tag team match? I thought it was a fun match.
1: Yeah. Um, I usually don't love six-man uh, six and eight-man tag matches. Um, I think Jurassic Express does a really good job. Marco Stunt got some cool spots in, and I'm not super high on... I'm not super high on Marco Stunt.
0: No, I'm, um, I'm not either. I That is something that... And we're going to talk about this a little later, too, mm-hmm. about suspending disbelief and things like that. But he's another one that, like, when I watch him, I just... I mean, for the life of me, I just can't... I can't say that I'm, like, overly enthusiastic about somebody that kind of looks like Marco Stunt uh, being in a wrestling ring. I just... When you're in with dudes that are obviously a lot bigger than you are, it's hard to kind of say he has any kind of fighting chance. And for me, that's mm-hmm. that's what makes wrestling beautiful is you can take these underneath guys, a Darby Allen, or you know if you're going way back, you know Jeff Hardy, put him against these big guys, but he actually looks like he has a chance. Marco Stunt is just he just doesn't look like he has that chance, man, because he's a lot yeah. smaller than a lot of the other guys. Um, obviously, Jungle Boy. Um, he gets a lot of offense in here. Luchasaurus got, uh, some offense in as well, but I mean, I think the star of the match, if we're being honest, was Kenny Omega. Uh, he hits V triggers everywhere, actually he hits the V trigger on Marco stunt. And then the one wing and angel to pick up the win. So, um, I don't think it hurts I found
1: the new person that I enjoy taking the Snapdragon suplex. Usually the Snapdragon is just like, eh, Yeah. uh, Marco stunt taking that Snapdragon suplex and just watching him fly across the ring was very fun.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um I mean they, they had some nice back and forth action here. Obviously uh with the Elite kind of picking up the win, I don't think it hurts the Jurassic express any because uh, you know, the Elite Marco are, gets pinned. Yeah, I mean that's the best case scenario I, yeah. I believe. No, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean in that situation. I, I do have
1: some complaints about this match um and it's the Bucks. Um, the Bucks again continue to be spot fiends and just like waiting and waiting and waiting outside the ring for big for big spots. Yeah.
0: And and look, Jay has been openly critical of the young Bucks and, and I have too, because it kinda takes you out of the moment when you're waiting for somebody for fifteen seconds to hit you with a move. It's kinda yeah. like one of those things where it's like, all right, well, Let's, you know, what made the guys, you know, in, in wrestling that made, made us love wrestling, what made those guys so believable when they sold and things like that? Because they weren't waiting outside for those moves. And how many, oh. how many, how many super kicks can you hit in a match? How many? And I know that I was reading on Twitter, Jim Ross was critical of, of leg slappers, uh, people that hit the super kick and slap the leg. I kind of agree with him. I think it's terribly overused. And mm-hmm. uh, look, my favorite wrestler of all time is Shawn Michaels. When he hit sweet chin music, it was over. Like that was it, yeah. man. But now you're hitting it like 12, 15 times a match. It's like, eh, you know.
1: And everybody you know. hits it.
0: Absolutely. It's, it's,
1: it's in all like every single cruiserweight that exists to as a super kick in their arsenal.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, Alex Marvez is backstage with the AEW women's champion, Hikaru Shida. Uh, he says that four out of the five women in the top five ranking They can't compete for various reasons, whatever it may be. He asked if he was ready to give Nyla Rose her rematch. Shida said she's always ready for Nyla. Um, She also says that she's ready for any challenger, for that matter. And, uh, yeah, so it looks like we're going to get Hikaru Shida and Nyla Rose again. Um, I don't know how I feel about that just yet. Obviously, Shida is going to be their champion for a little bit longer. I don't think they're going to take the belt off her this quickly. but. no. um, with, with the situation the way it is I mean you can't really complain about matches being rematches happening over and over again because the, the rosters limited what are you gonna do uh, yeah. I think sheet I, I, I,
1: I don't know want to see this again yeah not the roses to see twice I don't, I don't know. Need to see it yeah again.
0: like I'm not I'm not the biggest fan and and but but what are we gonna do like I said but uh then John moxley is is shown you know a promo from earlier today Uh, He stood outside and said the past few weeks haven't been the best for him. Obviously, Renee Young had tested positive for COVID, so he's been off the show. Uh, He was supposed to have his AEW title match last week against Brian Cage. Obviously, you can't do that. Uh, You have to quarantine. So um, Moxie said you can't take anything granted, and tonight we fight for the Fallen, which I thought was kind of cool. But, I mean... Overall, I think it was a a good promo here by Moxley. Uh, I think that uh, I think Moxley, if, if anything else, I think his promos when he kind of comes off as kind of a loose cannon. I think those are his best promos for sure. The ones yeah. where he comes off as kind of uh, just the kind of a Brian Pillman kind of guy, you know, the loose cannon mm-hmm. Brian Pillman. So um, I think it's it's pretty entertaining to see Moxley um, kind of getting that there, and um, yeah. So I mean, overall. It got you kinda of hyped for the match uh between and him he, and he
1: does a really good job at at bringing in some psychology to it. Is that, you know, Taz says, you know, I'm not big enough to be able to hit uh to be able to hit that uh double arm TV, the paradigm shift. Yeah. Um he can't hit that paradigm shift on uh on Brian Cage. Says, yeah, maybe I can't. Yeah, I got I can tear his bicep. Up. You know, <laughs> the one that was surgically repaired six weeks ago. Yeah. Um so i mean or however long ago it was it was it was great to set up some of that psychology to say like yeah maybe hey maybe i can't hey maybe i'll do this instead
0: yeah exactly And he's just
1: like he yeah he's just a loose cannon he's a freaking psycho and i love it mm-hmm. i'm here for john moxley's champion in the long run
0: yeah i mean i i can't disagree with that uh I talked a little bit about it last week. I, I I wondered aloud if they were going to do the title switch, and we'll get into it. Um, but uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see how it kind of plays out for the next couple of weeks. So um,
1: before we get into that, somebody was somebody had a correct prediction from last week.
0: They did, they did, and that somebody would be your boy over here. I said that Vickie Guerrero would be the manager for Nyla Rose, and surprise, surprise, your boy's been watching wrestling enough to know. I got, I got intuition when it comes to that kind of stuff. So shower me with praise, Jay, as I correctly protect It's only a matter protect- of
1: time before you start writing for Wrestling Observer Network. Dave Meltzer, if you're listening, give my mans a job.
0: That's what I'm saying, man. I don't even have anybody on the inside, and I know, I know that I got the goods every single week here on One with the Undercard. And if you don't believe me, play the tape back. Play all the tapes back in the archives. One with the Undercard at the Heel Turn Collective Radio Network. Make sure you go back and check all that out. So, um, That's a shameless plug. I love it. I'm a shameless self promoter. So.
1: You're an animal.
0: Absolutely. Uh, next, we get the Nightmare Sisters, Brandy Rhodes and Allie coming out with Dustin <sighs> Rhodes I against Kenzie Page and, and MJ Jenkins. No. Look, look, look. No. Look, look, look. Brandy does not have to be on the show, bro. <laughs> Brandy does not have to be on the show, man. I'm convinced. I am convinced that they are just, what they're trying to do is just shove her on the show how how by any means necessary. I never want to see another Brandy Rhodes match in my life. Allie's alright. Everybody in this match is fine. I think Brandy's an average wrestler. I think she's better as a manager. I don't need to see her every damn week. I don't need to but see her. Lance,
1: it. the Nightmare Sisters.
0: That name is, name is hideous. It hurts. Hideous. It physically hurts. That's a hideous name. They I mean,
1: don't need to be a long-term tag. Like this does not need to be a long-term story. I mean, I suppose it can be, I'm interested in seeing where it goes, but it does not have to be a long enough story to give them a tag team name. So that five, 10 years from we can a show and say, Hey, you remember the nightmare sisters? Yeah. That sucked.
0: Yeah. That was something that'll that, put butts in the seat. Yeah. To that was some Tony Giovanni. Absolutely. That was something that did, did, did not go over well now and won't go over well later on. I just, I, the nightmare Sisters terrible name, by the way, terrible. I had name. a, I had a thought
1: earlier today and I think this, uh, this rings true to my point that I just made. Uh, you remember the hype bros a couple years ago? Oh yeah. Yeah. Where it's just like this, this is a tag team that exists. Um,
0: wasn't that? Hold on. Wasn't exactly, that Zach Ryder and uh, Mojo Raleigh?
1: That's exactly who it was. <laughs> so Christmas. three, four years from now, we're gonna sit on the show and say, "Hey, you remember the Nightmare Sisters? Oh yeah, wasn't that Brandy Rhodes and Allie? Yeah,
0: I mean that really just really did something for me and and really boosted the ratings through the roof. This match, <laughs> two minute squash match, obviously uh, Allie picks up the win after tease a little dissension already criminy they're already breaking these two up uh dustin raised the hand for a brandy but ally he's a little reluctant to do that they kind of embracing the ring Allie rolls her eyes man they're already gonna break this team up it's, unbelievable it's it, i'm telling violent. you right now here's my prediction number two that's gonna come true all right i already got the i already got the vicky guerrero one which you find out in the next segment by the way um Here's my big prediction for all out. It's going to be Ali and Brandy. And not only that, it's going to be in a marquee matchup. You don't I want to bet? All. You want to bet? They they build hype for it, man, because they they love. They love milking this Brandy thing for all its worth, man. And I get it. Hey, you know what? In the world of business, kudos to her, man. Hell yeah. I'm all for it, man. I'm all about women you know, becoming empowered. I got two kids, man. I got two daughters. So I would never tell them that they don't deserve a spot, you know, in a man's world or whatever. But I got to tell you, man, just because you are a great businesswoman and just because you're married to one of the main promoters of the promotion doesn't necessarily she's a mean... She's
1: C-little officer in the company. She's the chief brand officer. That's what I'm
0: saying. Like, great. And she yeah. does a great job at it. But she I does. just, I just don't need to see every week, you know? Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, they, we get another video for the AEW action figures. I will not be buying those, but, uh, oh, no. then we get the announcement that Vicky Guerrero will now be managing Nyla Rose. I think it's a good pairing. Uh, Vicky is annoying as hell. So I think that, I think that her being with Nyla here will kind of build a little bit more heat towards that. Uh, she, she's been off TV for a little bit. So I think that, uh, I think it, it'll be interesting to kind of see how that works out. You know? So I you know what I liked about it? What's that? Uh about
1: the Vicky Guerrero situation. Yeah. I loved her I loved her music. Wait it, it, I loved her entry music because just played into the excuse me thing. And it just, it got a, it got a slight pop out of me. Yeah. And I um, think every time I hear her music, it will get a slight pop out of. me.
0: I think that there's going to be, she's going to have to use a new phrase. Cause I think the E actually owns the trademark on excuse me. So I think she's got to use a new phrase, but I'm sure they'll figure something out for her to use. Uh, but I mean, for now, look, obviously she's going to walk Nyla Rose into um, the match against a uh, just because Vicky Guerrero is her manager, though, does not mean that I think that Nyla Rose should win the women's title by any means, though. I think Nyla Rose is, for right now, should stay as far away from winning the title as possible because you can't keep just throwing it back and forth. You remember a couple of years ago when Sasha Banks and Charlotte Flair, the, the belt exchanged hands like six times in a month. You
1: don't need to do it that. was a little, it was a little excessive.
0: You don't need to do that. So don't do that here. Uh, AEW obviously values their champions or champions have the belts a little bit longer. So we'll kind of see how that uh, plays out. And that brings us to our main event,
1: your main event of the evening,
0: your main event for the evening. Although before we get into that, they did run down the card for next week. Cody defends the TNT title, Hangman Page? Question mark. Yeah, Hangman Page takes on five. Who the hell is that? Um,
1: uh, it's from the Dark Order.
0: Oh, that that is true. Uh, Diamante, and then I can't even say that other name. <laughs> MJF is in action. The Young Bucks against the Butcher in a Blade and a Falls Count Anywhere a match. And Chris Jericho and Jake Hager take on Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. That's actually a, a solid card again. You know, I can't complain about that. Not a lot of complaints here. Uh, in the Augustine household, about that card, what says you, Jay? I don't
1: know. I don't know. There are a lot of too many. Uh, Cody versus question mark, MJF versus question mark,
0: squash um, matches, man. What is this AEW dark? Yeah, you know. So yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Like I could have done without a lot of that. Like the last two matches we talk about, like uh, Jer- uh Jericho and Hager versus um Luchasaurus and. Jungle Boy. Uh, Jungle Boy, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the Bucks versus FTR in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Butcher and the Blade. Although I'm, I'm calling, or yeah, uh, versus Butcher and the Blade in a, in a Spot Fest match. I mean, Falls Count Anywhere match.
0: Yeah, yeah that's that's um, a recipe for just a, that that is a recipe for a Spot Fest match, having a Falls Count Anywhere. So
1: <laughs> I don't know why I'm excited about it. I'm just going to be disappointed when we talk about this next week. Absolutely. If you want some, here's some insider knowledge. I'll be disappointed next
0: week. <laughs> Just so you know, you know, um, and then it brings us to the main event. Uh, Taz comes out to uh, cut a promo. He says that Moxley chirped some propaganda bullshit that cage isn't 100%. Taz says that Moxley was in home quarantine and why with his wife cage was wrestling. Taz calls out Moxley and told him to bring the AEW title. Moxley makes his entrance and it's time, buddy. It's time for the main event. Moxie had a, uh, what kind of shirt was it? It was a Danny Havoc shirt. It was, yeah, Danny, Danny Havoc. Havoc. Yeah, Danny Havoc recently passed away. He recently uh, passed away. Yeah, a good good friend of John Moxie, so it was cool to kind of see him paying tribute here. Um,
1: but he's fighting for the Fallen.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Moxie takes the shirt off, and he just starts going after the bicep right away. Um, obviously working on it all match, and you can kind of see Taz being a little... Taz being concerned about the bicep and things like that, they really played into that injured bicep. For those who don't know, uh, Brian Cage was supposed to he was supposed to debut earlier, but he tore his bicep so he didn't get a chance to, and they're really playing that up in this match. Uh, they go if they back.
1: operated on anything, they should have operated on his freaking sideburns. Oh, here we Good go. Lord.
0: Here we go. Jay going after the sideburns once again. Um, I'll do
1: it until he gets rid of those stupid things.
0: Yeah they uh they fall to the outside um cage hits a huge suplex on Moxie through the chair and just bends that thing all to hell that was um, nasty yeah that was nasty uh cage cage moves around like a luchas like 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 a lucha star like it's weird like he's built like Scott Steiner but he, but he wrestles like Scott Steiner in the early nineties doing the hurricane Ronas and the moonsaults and stuff. It's, it's actually kind of refreshing to see a big man get the ups like that. Um, besides the sideburns, it's probably the best thing about him. Uh, okay. You're just
1: saying that to make me angry.
0: Yeah, I gotcha. Um, Moxley gets him in an arm bar, but, um, cage powers out of it and gets him with a buckle bomb. Um, he hits him with a huge suplex, uh, Moxley locks him in the arm bar. He's he's in it. Taz is looking concerned. Finally throws the towel in and the match is over. The match went about 15 minutes. Um, How did you feel about the title match as a whole?
1: The match was appropriate in length. I love that Moxley hits the paradigm shift. I keep wanting to call it dirty deeds, but it's not bad anymore. It's the paradigm shift. Yes. Um, He does hit the paradigm shift on him for like a one and a half, two count. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did like that coming into play. Uh, and I liked, I liked a non, uh, paradigm shift finish. Yeah. I liked the ending. I, and I know you're a little sick and tired of the throwing in the towel. Yeah. Uh, shtick, but I think it protects Brian cage in the long run because if Brian cage taps to John Moxley. Then John Moxley gets to say, you know, I beat you one, two, three, or I submitted you in the ring. Yeah. Now he gets to be protected in the long run, uh, because it wasn't his choice to tap taz throws the talent for him um and then what do we have the lights go dark and i am genuinely like uh aew they did have some production issues this week so i was genuinely in full belief that something might have gone awry i i okay great the lights go out of daly's place here we go this is how this is how uh This is how this is gonna happen, and then we see Darby Allen standing on the top turnbuckle, and he comes in, and boy does he just start weighing in to old Brian Cage.
0: Yeah, and that seems to be um, that seems to be the feud that they're building towards now. Darby Allen. Against Brian Cage, I think if you are going to introduce the FTW title as a title in AEW, I think that these two feuding for it is probably your best bet, um, just because they both kind of have that mantra, that attitude. So um, while while I'm not the biggest fan of the feud um, personally. I think that that Brian Cage and Darby Allen could probably have some pretty quality matches, especially the way that Brian Cage moves around the ring and things like that. I yeah. think it's it's pretty impressive the way uh, he kind of moves around and everything. But
1: I'm going to uh, call it now. They're going to have a match in a couple of weeks. They're going to have a match in a couple of weeks. Darby Allen will lose. Um, they'll still feud a little bit on and off. But then at the next pay-per-view, Uh, Darby Allen takes the FTW championship away from Brian Cage. You heard it
0: here first. You heard it here first on one with the undercard. And with that, my friends, brings us to the end of the show. Another week of Dynamite Down. Uh, If you like what we got going on here, uh, go check out the Heel Turn Collective Radio Network. We got all kinds of stuff for you. We don't just talk wrestling on on the shows. You know, we got all kinds of stuff. I host three shows a week. We got quality content three days. Uh, Sundays we do Word Up or Bird Up. Me and Jordan Dukes kind of, get into all kinds of stuff. Tuesdays is the Heel Turn Collective podcast with me and our boy Shane Riley. And then you can join us every single Friday here at One with the Undercard where we review All Elite Wrestling Dynamite every single week. So make sure you go check out the Heel Turn Collective radio network. And while you're at it, make sure when you're listening, you rate us. Uh, Whether it's on Apple Podcasts or if it's Spotify, make sure you're just letting us know. How, how you feel about everything. Your feedback is invaluable and it's something that we really enjoy here on the show. So uh, we will be here again next week, as always, uh, reviewing another strong episode, fingers crossed, of Dynamite. Jay has already said that he will be upset about it, but that's okay.
1: Just about the Bucks match. Absolutely. And the question mark matches.
0: Yes. Um, while you're at the Heel Turn Collective Radio Network, make sure you give us a like there on Facebook. Uh, but other than that, I'm at Collective Heel on Twitter. Jay doesn't have a Twitter because he lives in the Pilgrimage, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and with that being said, Jay, do you have anything to say before we get the hell out of here?
1: Uh, no, I'll see you next week. Be good to each other. Take care of each other. Wear your damn mask.
0: Wear a mask. It's something that uh, we harp on too much here on all the shows, but something that I think that is pretty important. So I'm Lance. He's Jay Johnson. Until next week, my friends, we'll catch you later.